0: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Andrew Tate to my Alan Tate. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? It's the last episode of 2022. In fact, how how would you sum up championship football in
1: 2022? Oh, I don't know, maybe chaotic or maybe not as chaotic as we think. Predictably chaotic potentially. Yeah, I'll go with predictably chaotic.
0: Okay. Why why would you say that?
1: Because it's still chaos in the championship. Like still completely bonkers. There's still x number of points separating 5th to 23rd, etc. Um but it, you know, it's not exactly a surprise, is it? We expect that to happen. It's a championship.
0: Right, okay. Right, now you've explained it like that, I can agree with you mm. because I wasn't sure where you were going with that before. I feel like this year Everyone always says, oh, this year's gone so quickly. And when I think about what I've done this year outside of football, I do agree with them. But when I think of it in football terms, it feels like ages ago since Fulham were in the championship. Mm. And it feels like ages ago since Huddersfield were cheated out of the playoff final. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is a strange. Football's a strange one. I, I don't know if anyone's like me, but I don't judge years on calendar years. I judge it on football seasons. So if I'm I thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? So if I'm like thinking what happened five years ago or five years ago, where Gary Wright was in charge of Derby, Frank Lampard was about to come. In. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I'm sorry to get to the gist of things. You know, everything's judged on football for me. And I don't know whether that's pretty sad, but I'm sure any football people will, will fully understand and, and get and, and get it.
0: When I think back to 2010, I'm thinking of a Delta wrapped yeah. tearing it up, <laughs> QPR. Um, but I, I, I'm exactly the same, Justin. So, what, what what would you associate 2022 with when you look back on it in 10 years' time or so?
1: At the World Cup. Um, if it's a championship point of view, Mitrovic um, just dominating the, the obviously the first half of 2022 managerial sackings. Goodness me, we'll, yes. we'll think back. We'll, Ten years' time, we'll go. Can you remember the great sacking period of 2022, where hundreds of managers were sacked and lost their jobs. Sad time. Mary
0: Sackmus.
1: Yeah. Um, oh God, not yeah, that. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, this season in particular has to be remembered for two teams absolutely running away with it before the turn of the year, but also the number of managers who have been sacked because it has been. Pretty amazing, but also, I think I'd also remember it as a bit of a roller coaster year for Huddersfield Town fans oh, after <laughs> spending the first <laughs> half of the year coming ever so close to being in the Premier League to now potentially being in League <laughs> One, uh, although maybe. The last couple of results may have changed that, but we'll talk about that very shortly, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to go through all the games that have happened over the last couple of days in the championship, go through all of them, talk about what it means in the grand scheme of things heading into 2023. We'll also talk about some of the news from the past few days, including that loan for West Bromwich Albion, which I'm sure me and Justin have plenty to say about, as well as a couple of other bits. And then we'll finish off with a little game right at the the end so let's go around the grounds and we'll begin with Watford who took another hiding for the second game in a row after being thumped 4-0 away at Swansea and it's a, another alarmingly pathetic performance by the Hornets
1: Justin. It was dreadful I saw a lot of Watford fans sympathising with Bilic and almost saying it wouldn't be surprised if he walked um, and I completely agree he deserves a lot more than what he's getting from his players and he deserves a lot more from what he. From what he's getting from the board, I know it's it's difficult from a from a board perspective to um, say that they need to do more, um, considering we're not in a January transfer window. But it just highlights how how many holes were in the squad for Rob Edwards in the summer. There's so many issues with it, and there are there are good individuals in there. But I think this this game in particular highlights just how um, how poor it is. And I think if if you look at the the turnover of the squad, it hasn't been um, massively significant um you look at burnley who have had to completely reset um norwich have managed to be continuous with their squads over the last sort of 3 or 4 seasons but you know it's it's looking more fresh now and watford's sort of there's been one or two players here and there um but it just hasn't been a a, a complete improvement which is what they needed um they needed everything needed refreshing at the club we're seeing that now and you know watford are in a, a really precarious position um you know, of dropping out of the playoff race, dropping out of the promotion race. They don't have a good enough squad to compete without the likes of João Pedro and Emmanuel Dennis. Emmanuel Dennis was sold. Um, but this game in particular just highlights how many issues there are. You look at defensively, they were shambles. Absolute shambles. The amount of times Harry Darling peeled off at the back post. Repeat, repeat um, set-piece routine. Did it several times and Watford at no point clued up to it. It was dreadful.
0: Yeah, the warning signs were there when it was just 1-0 in this game that it could be another bad day at the office for Watford, weren't there? They were so lacklustre and they lost to Millwall on Boxing Day, but you could have made the excuse that they were down to 10 men for half the game in that one. But there were no excuses here. They were just awful. Four shots to Swansea's 15, I think, just about says it all, really. The defending was so pedestrian. And apart from one set piece in the second half, Watford offered very little going forwards. As far as I'm aware, no Watford fan is blaming Slav and Bilic for their struggles this season. All the fingers are being pointed directly at the board for numerous years of poor running of the club. And we talk about parachute payment teams and how they've got so much more resources than the non-parachute payment teams in the championship and they've tended to dominate the league in recent years. This team that started against Swansea has got to be the worst team a parachute payment side <laughs> has put out in a long time I won't go through it all but some of these players would struggle to get into mid-table championship sides I'm telling you injuries haven't helped with that but there's got to be some strength in depth even when Sheffield United were having an injury crisis they weren't looking as threadbare as this uh, earlier in the season do you want to hear a crazy statistic Justin? you know I love them go on this is the seventh Watford game in a row where they fell to score with someone who's not named Jao Pedro (laughs) And considering he's out for possibly the next two months, that's a very worrying statistic for Watford. And you've got to consider how they're incredibly short on midfielders and already, and they lack creativity so much. I mean, when Pedro's in the side, he's essentially the only creative outlet Mm -hmm. they've had without Imran Lauza in the team. And it's honestly like Watford have been hit with a haymaker with Pedro's injury and various other bits. For me now they've got no chance of getting in the top two mainly because of Pedro's injury anyone who's catching that top two will have to win at least 15 games and Pedro could be missing for half the games remaining this season Mm. and now I'm wondering if they could miss out on the playoffs so I've had them down for quite some time as a team who are pretty nailed on for the top six but a player like Pedro missing for potentially half your remaining games is huge and the remaining players left over aren't of a great standard so they're continues to be a lot of work that's needed in January, don't there, Justin?
1: And it's a terrible time to go out and refresh your squad. Um, Players' values increase significantly in January because teams don't want to release their players. Um, And you're only going to be looking at players that other teams don't want. So then you've got to start to question the quality that you're going to be bringing in. Is that quality good enough for this Watford starting eleven? Is it better than the current starting eleven? Is it better than members of their squad? The Jory's out on that, obviously, considering their performances, but it's just it, everything goes back. You know, you can you can trace teams' poor performances sort of at this point in the season back to a poor summer transfer window. There's so many teams have had a poor summer um in the championship this season. Um and it's starting to show Watford are one of those teams. You know, there are teams like Blackpool and Huddersfield as well. Um, they fall into that category but what for another one it's, it's it's a bad time of month and I don't I can't see it improving significantly it might be one of those seasons where they have to consolidate try and compete to get into the playoffs and if they don't they try to hold their hands up and, and let um, the new sporting director it's Manga isn't it um, do the business and get players in for the summer um, because it's really hard to see them getting promoted this season we
0: should give Swansea a lot of credit here yeah. because this was just as good a performance from them as it was a terrible <laughs> performance by Watford. Joel Pirro looked like the Joel Pirro from last season. Two very well-taken goals, particularly that second one. And I think he's a bit of a confident striker, isn't he? I think that's <laughs> one thing we've learnt about him this season. So those two goals will do him a world of good. Liam Cullen got mm-hmm. on the score sheet and got an assist too. He's looked quite sharp for them in recent games after previously me questioning whether he was actually good enough to play at championship level but he's looked pretty good recently. It was just a classy all-round performance from Swansea and it's actually their first win in nine so much needed as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a comfortable controlled game for 90 minutes. Um I know Watford didn't offer too much so it was a, I wouldn't say it was an easy game but um there are games like that that I've got away from Swansea. Um so for them to dominate an absolutely Tank Watford, I think, is a positive step. Obviously, um, and they were they were clinical and cutthroat. The the two finishers from Joel Pirro were more like the finishers from Joel Piro that we saw last season. He's been he's been misfiring quite badly. Um, so for him to be in a position where he's he's taking those two goals well um, is is massive. And I, I, and I think recently as well, I don't know if they've got a set piece coach, which is interesting, but they've been creating a fair few set, um, chances from set pieces recently. I um, go back to a Norwich game, um, just after to World Cup break, there's, there's this one. They've been very um, prolific from set pieces and I think that's doing them dividends re- uh, Well, of late. Michael Carrick has now won six of
0: his nine games in charge of Middlesbrough. They beat Blackburn 2-1. Blackburn have gone from not dropping a point from a winning position all season to losing twice from winning positions in two games. They weren't helped by John Buckley being sent off in the 50th minute for throwing the ball at Riley McGree. Having said that, I thought that was a very harsh red card.
1: I thought the, obviously the Callum Robinson one against Swansea earlier on in the season, I thought it was a harsh red card. But if you're doing that, you're giving the referee a decision to make. It's just petulance. Um, A three-game ban seems pretty significant. Uh, I think Blackburn tried to appeal it and it was rejected. Um, which just goes to show that it's it's quite nailed on in the rule book, um, not to throw balls at opponents, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it's throwing balls. Yeah, no, I yeah. It's
0: a straight red. It's not even a second yellow card. It's. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's just it's just a silly thing. It was. I don't know what rule it breaks because it's certainly not violent, is it? Unprofessional mm-hmm. conduct. Maybe. Whatever the case, is, sending off for that and severely hindering one team's chance of getting a result for nearly half a game is very overdramatic from the referee. And I'm surprised that any suspension's not been overruled, I've got to say. But whatever the case, Middlesbrough now in the playoffs with this win and continue their remarkable climb up the table. And when Michael Carrick took over, they were 21st. <laughs> the turnaround is unbelievable and as we head into January it looked as if the top of the shopping list for Borough was going to be a striker it was the glaring weakness in this team but Carrick may have found an answer to that problem in Matty Crooks up top of course usually a midfielder but I was quite impressed with him playing as a number
1: 9. He's got the size hasn't he um, to be a number 9 and he's he's probably not a midfielder you want to play in a 4-2-3-1 which is obviously the formation that um, Carrick's favouring because he's a He's, a, he's very much a box to box player. I mean, the amount of goals he scored last season from arriving in the box. He's a very good potter as well. So he's got the attributes to play as a number nine. It's just whether or not um, it's ever done, he, he's ever done it consistently before, but certainly um, I thought he did well here. I thought he played really well, actually. Um, And I think if you're going to play anybody in that number nine, I think what Carrick needs is a a bit of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Just a bit of a dummy, number nine. So he can get the likes of Marcus Force, obviously scored. You mean a false nine? A false nine, yeah, exactly. A false nine in there. Um, And I don't think there's anyone better um, than than probably Matt Crooks in that squad to do it. Just because of his size, his ability to be physical um his ability to get into the box as well and, and be a danger so yeah, I think he may have unearthed a little bit of a, a little bit of a gem there
0: Well, he got ten goals last season just exactly yeah. he's a big strapping lad who's great in the air isn't he? and knows where the back of the net is so if that's how Carrick wants to play with a number nine they could save themselves a fair bit of money by just sticking with Crooks. Will he be the long-term answer? I don't know. But he's certainly given a good audition for this role in this game, And Blackburn have now lost four from five games in this one. As soon as Middlesbrough went ahead, you just knew that was it, didn't you? Not just because Blackburn were down to 10 men for um, half the game, but because of their awful record when going behind. Still haven't won a single point from a losing position this season. And this goes back to John doyle thomason and the question marks over his tactical game plans, they just didn't really have an answer here did they
1: it's a it's a difficult one to um to decipher, considering blackburn's inability to overturn those leads um their ability to really impose themselves on opponents i e dominate games I think that's where it, it it lends to that they can't they can't do it they're not really shown that they can do it this season barring one or two games um so i think it's it's a case of not needing to improve. Over time, they need vast improvement quickly if they're going to start to pick up results again. Um, because this is lends to what you've been saying. If they're not a team that creates chances um, consistently or keeps them out, then what are they? They're just, they're just a team who um, are going to concede goals. And if they've not got the mentality to overturn those defeats, which they haven't done yet this season, so we can't say if they, they've, they're capable of doing it. It's not a team who can overturn those um, uh, deficits then sadly they are going to drop down the table and they're going to drop down the table very quickly. Um, because as I say, it comes down to character in the team and if they can't, they can't do it, if they can't create chances when the game's drawing or the game's poised, then how are they going to do it when the team's defending in a low block, defending a lead in a low block? It's not going to happen. In fairness to Blackburn, in these five games, they have faced some
0: very tricky sides. So you could make that excuse if you are a Blackburn fan and they have got Cardiff at home in the next game Cardiff would be one of those sides who I would want to face right now if I was a, a team struggling having said that if Blackburn lost there then there would be some serious serious question marks asked by everyone wouldn't there now this time of year really is about miracles I say that because Huddersfield won again two wins from two, they beat Rotherham 2-0. And what's possibly even
1: more shocking, Justin Peach, is Huddersfield could have won this by more. But that's it, isn't it? They're, they've got some good players. They've got some very good players. Um, have they? Well, they, they, they? They do. They've got the players who can spark games. They've got Jordan Rhodes, who we know if... Um, if you can get a run of games and goals... You and say he, players, you, you say some very good players and the first person you go to is Jordan Rhodes, who has not I've been the same Jordan, Jordan Rhodes. Rhodes for a long time now, Justin. Yeah, but he scored more goals this season than he did last season. And then cause let's consider the fact that Huddersfield have not created anything this season. That's quite a remarkable um, turnaround of, of, of yeah, of going out and getting goals. Um, but they have got some good players. They're, they 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 have, like they did against Preston, they brought them Diara, Rodoni had the ability to change the game. I think it's just a case of getting those players believing. Um, and if they get a run of results together, then then why not? Then maybe they can spark a run of form that can pull them out of the relegation zone because there are some teams down there that are in worse states than Huddersfield form-wise. Um, and they're showing that defensively they are a, a decent, organised team. It's just been creating chances. So if Auburn can get them creating chances consistently like they have done in the last two games and get them creating more, I don't see why they can't pull themselves away. But it's a big ask. I've not seen
0: as big an overreaction to two wins before as I'm seeing right now. I'm Justin. not, I'm just saying. So, right, right, hang on. So you're saying there's some good players in this Huddersfield team. Yeah. Say you're a mid-table side like, I don't know,
1: Stoke. Which Huddersfield players would get into the Stoke team? Oh, I mean, Stoke's a bad example because there'll be quite a few, I imagine, you can get in there. You've got Helik, you've got Nichols. I mean, Stoke needed a goalkeeper. Nichols is, is still a very good stopper at this level. Helic's a very good defender. Um, Hayden at right wing back has really started to show the form in the last two games that Huddersfield have needed. He's been a, uh, an outlet in the right hand side on the, over the last two games. It's not an overreaction, it's just a, a reaction to their upturning form, considering how disappointing Huddersfield have been all season to have this. Um, not complete performances, but just a just a, a vast change from what we're used to. I think it deserves a, lot of, deserves a lot of credit, and I want to give it to him.
0: Well, I think you've got to keep in mind, Rotherham have been quite poor since yeah. the World Cup break, and Preston are their own worst enemies at home. So I, I won't be running outside declaring that Huddersfield have turned a corner and telling it to every single person I see on the street. But credit where credit's due for Mark him up to Christmas They were appalling and they head into New Year with something to cling on to. They are now off the bottom of the table when, just before Christmas, I was convinced they were going down rock bottom. And maybe even as one of the worst teams we've ever seen at Championship level, that may still happen. But I'm ever so slightly more encouraged that they could actually stay up this season after these two wins. But I'm I'm certainly not going anywhere near as far as you are, Justin. Um, Rotherham, on the other hand, head into this New Year with... Plenty to be worried about. One win in eleven, Even when they were in mid-table after 20 games, I always thought there's a good chance Rotherham could still get relegated because of their resources, because of the overall size of the club. And you said you weren't as worried, Justin. I suspect you might be quite worried right now.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, there are obvious problems that need addressing. They need to shut up shop, for example. The amount of chances they've been um, conceding, they start they need to get back to uh, keeping clean sheets and just strip it back to basics. Um And as I say, the chances they're conceding in games is killing them. Um, They've been far too open at times. Um, And I I, I still reiterate that I think there are worse squads than than Rotherham's. Um, I look at the Rotherham team, they've got match winners, they've got a goalkeeper who's in the top three this season. Obviously, that's helped by the fact that they concede so many chances. Ogbeni, I think, will be on the um, wish list of quite a few teams I think in the top half of the championship um, there, there's some really good players Wales and Barlasser as well they're a team that should be performing much better and I think the last I guess five or six games I've ex- I expect a little bit more from, from Matt Taylor um, because he's not addressed the key issues that have been um, consistently doing them in which is conceding chances being so open um, and not utilising the very talented midfield that he has
0: Well, it's not been helped by the injury to Ben Wiles, which we'll talk about in the news. Um, Final point on this game, and it's the latest edition of Mark Fotheringham's Strange Ramblings. Mm -hmm. He's criticised Sober Thomas for wearing flip-flops when it's cold outside. He might have a point, but calling out a player for his footwear is the latest of a growing list of bizarre quotes from Mark Fotheringham. Wigan 1, Sunderland 4, considering... Wigan have played quite well recently this was definitely a step in the wrong direction for them they got outplayed by a Sunderland side who are well and truly in top gear right now
1: can they become the division's entertainers and I hate that because it's become a cliche but considering that the the, the attack that they've got they've got Pritchard, Roberts, Clark, Diallo, Stewart um, uh, obviously Everton before he got injured there's a lot of quality in that final third, and I just think they they can they can take the mantle of the division's entertainers because there haven't been too many um, teams to to take that. But. For me, they one of, they can be one of the best attacking teams, especially under Tony Mowbray um, in a division, and, and they're showing it. The the, the 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 some of the sequences of playing this game were, were were brilliant, and they controlled it in and out of possession. It was a dominant performance, dominant I away performance from Sunderland. I think the only frustrating thing is they can't repeat these sorts of games at home. Um, but there's so, there's so much talent in that team; it's ridiculous. Um, they're just oozing with it, and I just think a lot of credit goes to Speakman for for putting that team together. Well, I said on Wednesday that Sunderland
0: have one of the best attacks in the division, arguably the best. And this game was a great example of that. They had four different goal scorers, and each goal was completely different. Ahmed Diallo's goal was the highlight, an absolute worldie from twenty-five yards out. But I really liked the third goal because there was some wonderful build-up play with Olays from the Sunderland fans on the way there, and then Robert shoots. Yes, it takes a deflection, but it's a great example of some of the wonderful football Sunderland have played this year. And The second was a penalty. The first was a real poachers effort. They're a great team to watch, Mm -hmm. Sunderland. And they were fourth prior to Friday's fixtures. In fact, I think they're still fourth now, aren't they? Uh, Yes, they are. So look at that. Sunderland, out of nowhere, climbing up to fourth in the table. Can they finish in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Why not? Defensively, they're a bit shaky. But the return of Dan Ballard could help with that. Amadeo looks to be staying now after previously being linked with uh, a return back to Man United, obviously on loan from there. Uh, Ross Stewart's future will be the big concern because he looks like he could be heading out the door in January. But even if they don't finish in the top six, this will have been a very successful season for Sunderland. And an entertaining one too, because they're playing some wonderful football, aren't they? And mm-hmm. considering the amount of turmoil Sunderland fans have suffered over the past few years... I think they'll appreciate a season like this, where it's been one of nothing but positives. A shout as a shout out as well for young Trey Hume, who's become a fan favourite overnight for Sunderland <laughs> after doing a crunching tackle on James McLean. The Sunderland fans celebrated like it was a goal. I will admit, I did chuckle at that. Of course, he's a former Sunderland player. See. <laughs> Wigan now bottom of the table after Huddersfield's surprising rise, as mentioned earlier. The big, uh, the first bad performance actually. Under Colo mm-hmm. Torre, really. Having said that, one point from four games now doesn't make for great reading at all, does it? In the Colo Torre
1: era, I think this was the worry of Colo Torre and uh, appointing someone with limited experience. Um, I, I, I very much believe that he's a project manager. You need to give him time, but uh, and and sort of appointing from the start of a season so he can just really imprint his ideas because we need to reiterate that there have been some really good moments under Torre over the last sort of three previous games in the lead up to the Sunderland one. Um, And there's been some nice signs there that they, they are evolving into a team that he wants them to be. Um, But I just think the timing of the appointment, the time that Torre had with the team wasn't as much as it probably needed. Um, And I think if you're in Wigan's position, you need a manager who's going to come in and get results immediately, get the team organized, get them keeping clean sheets, get them, um, get them on a results point, basis pretty much uh, and go from there and I think that's the the, the risk that yeah appointing Tory presented it's it's not quite going to plan there's been some nice moments but at the end of the day Wigan need points it's, they don't need nice performances or nice sequences to play they need points and as I say that's just the, the risk that it presented and I think it's going to be one of those situations where it's either going to be a good decision or a bad decision for from the owners to, to appoint an ex- inexperienced manager
0: yeah I do have sympathy for him the squad isn't great. And because of rumours about the financial situation, I don't think he'll have the option to even strengthen in January. So that's concerning. And he's trying to play a more attractive style than we saw under Liam Richardson, which is fair. If that's the way he Mm. wants to go forward, then fair enough to him. But, at the same time, he probably should be prioritising results over how attractive it is, firstly, because at the end of the day, they were playing a completely different style under Richardson. And if that's the best way that the players know how to get results, then maybe stick with that for a bit longer. Also, he made some strange substitutions here. Teo Asgard, who's a winger, got taken off for of Graham Shinney, who's a defensive midfielder. And Ashley Fletcher was seemingly playing left wing. And Sunderland scored just minutes after that. So I don't really understand what the thinking was there. I think he's got a lot to learn, which is understandable Mm -hmm. because he is a young manager. I just don't really know what the plan is at Wigan. Is he a long-term appointment or was he just a throw of the dice to try to keep them up? I'm not too sure. Um, Time will tell on that one. But yeah, certainly a very concerning time for Wigan who are now staring well, into the depths of League One, uh, Josh Cullen goal gave Burnley their fifth win in a row away at Stoke 1 0. It finished Burnley not at their best here. They were actually quite lucky to not go behind in the first half, mm. thanks to some questionable <laughs> distribution from Murich in goal. But
1: what's the old saying, Justin, with good teams? They find a way to win, um, and they did that, didn't they? I think that um, the save that Murich pulled off from Fox in the first half was. Brilliant, it was low to him, and I think that's sort of where you go. Actually, this this team knows what to do, they know what they're doing. Um, and you're quite right, I think the fact that Bernie were able to make a few changes, Rodriguez was rested, um, I think that really sort of helped and maybe disrupted um momentum a little bit, or um, you know, just starting 11 gelling. Um, I think they did that just before the international break, didn't they? Where they changed the midfield, and they um, I can't remember if they drew, or just it was just a, a below par performance, um, but they've got they've got depth they've got ability to win the ability to win um and to keep a clean sheet despite making several changes i think is a testament to um uh to 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 company and his management and i think as well as that you look at the amount of teams who put in a flat performance um over this game week um i think it goes to show that yeah burnley weren't the only ones yeah
0: they've been so untouchable recently that i think burnley can afford to have a game like this where they didn't play particularly well but still managed to get the win and it is the ultimate cliche, isn't it, from the bag of cliches that I've got to my left, Justin. <laughs> if you, It's a sign of a good team when they don't yeah. play well, but still get the results on the board. So fair play to them. And I think that Josh Cullen goal for Stoke kind of sums up their 2022, doesn't it? It, it bounces around in the box. At one point, yeah. the defender <laughs> kicks it onto the goalkeeper's back. And it's been a very, very underwhelming 2022 from a Stoke perspective, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a um, a twenty twenty two wave. you just exhale loudly um, in disappointment. Um, and, you know, if you were to subtitle every Stoke fan um, at the bet three six five, it would it would just be that. I think um, just size, loud sigh, a yeah, collective yeah, just, loud sigh. Yeah, I wonder what a collective sigh sounds like. Um, I wonder what how many decibels it, it could reach as well at the bet three six five. It'd probably be one of the biggest, quite, loudest. A, I imagine for Stoke fans, it's quite a loud sigh. <laughs> It's, it's. I know we can laugh and joke about it, but it's, it's disappointing from a Stoke perspective, considering the budget that they've got, considering the quality of player that they got, that they find themselves competing in this position. But I think, you know, if we're, if we're going to take positives out of it, Stoke more than competed with Burnley for the first half, especially they should have come out with this game or come out of that first half, at least a goal up. They didn't. They still created chances. Second half they faded, but there are. Over the last three games, I think, signs of life from Alex Neal's team. Um, But it's just a case of, you know, is the quality of squad good enough? I don't think it is. Um, uh, Again, which is hugely disappointing. It just highlighted the lack of quality in certain areas. Are they good enough to to get key players into positions in the final third? Are they good enough to retain the ball and alleviate pressure? Um, I don't think they are. I think they need probably three or four signings in the... Yeah, in January, if they're going to be able to compete to at least get to mid-table. I definitely agree that there are signs of life
0: with Alex Neil Stoke. And it's just about getting some of these players in form, isn't it? Because there are some very good players here. And surely, they probably do need, you know, a few players bringing in in January. They don't need a massive overhaul. It's just two or three players, mm-hmm. really, that they need to get in through the door. But if they're going to do that, they need to get players in form, don't they? I mean, we've spoken week on week about how out of form these strikers are that they've got and if they get any of them in form then it could be a very different second half of the season for Stoke but at the moment that seems very unlikely doesn't it just then let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about another win for Sheffield United and another win for West Brom back to the second tier podcast five wins on the bounce now for Sheffield United the latest being a 2-1 victory away at Blackpool and I think Blackpool are actually quite good here maybe even the better team however once again Sheffield United's quality paid dividends particularly with that lovely goal from James McAtee
1: it it was a lovely goal but I don't think the defending was Glorious by any means. I think Mcatee had a straight run um, on that goal. And I think Grimshaw should have done a little bit better with the finish, but nonetheless, it was a fantastic goal. Uh, and I think what's even more absurd, actually, um, is the fact that Indi has been credited with an assist for it. But we won't <laughs> dwell on. We won't dwell on that. It's another assist for Indi and just another highlight of how good he is. But yeah, Sheffield United. In um, a similar to what we were saying about Burnley. If teams have got momentum and good form, they don't have to do too much to win. If they can get a lead, um, if they can get a good lead in in a game, then they can just manage it, and they've got experience to do it. You know, you look at this this team in particular. Kieran Clark was once again brilliant. Came in for John Egan, who has been a stalwart stalwart for the Blades, and didn't look out of place. Looked very comfortable. Defence was organised. Norwood again was just well. I, I yeah. The man's missed the championship. He, he made his 500th career appearance. He was just absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, these, these teams don't need to do too much to win games. And I think that's quite the um, quite a testament to yeah what Hegobartman has been able to build this season despite the injury problems.
0: Well, Sheffield United have had a couple of games recently against teams who they should be beating and have actually mm. struggled quite a bit. And that's why I think if one of Burnley or Sheffield United were going to see a downturn in form and reopen back up the automatic promotion race I think it would be Sheffield United not that I think it's going to happen though simply because they're too good and they're too far ahead but if that possibility were to arise I think it would be them Um, but I mean James McAtee is turning out to be a wonderful young talent for the Blades into 20 year old midfielder unknown for Man City he's had to really fight to get into this team but now seems to have nailed down the third midfielder spot alongside Norwood and Berger and He's an excellent dribbler. We saw that with the goal. Having him and Ndai in the same team means defenders are having to be (laughs) constantly on their toes. He's also very quick, which means he's a great threat on the counter, again, as we saw with the goal. But he's a good passer too. And you can see why this lad has already played a handful of games for the Man City first team and is really enjoying getting some first team action now. And it's also great to see him do a backflip celebration for his goal. When I say a backflip, it was some sort of flip. He was kind of going sideways once he was... was, Somersault. I'm not sure if it was a somersault, I don't know what it's called when it's a kind of sideways flip, but whatever the case, it it was a great performance from him and he's turning out to be a player who's getting better and better for the Blades. As you can imagine, the Michael Appleton out brigade were in full force after this loss, but to be fair to him, Blackpool were good here against one of the best teams in the division and I'd say it was actually quite encouraging.
1: I think it. I think it was. Um, I, I do think again the, the, the game similar to Stoke against Burnley. Actually, um, I think it's just one of those games where you come up against a really good team. It just highlights the lack of quality you have in your team. Um, and I get that Michael Apperton has this frustration towards him. I, I said in the previous episode that I understand it. I, I, I get it. It, it. it makes sense. The form is bad, um, and he's got previous with the with the with the club supporters in it. You know, in not it exactly a positive light but if you've just you've got to remember that he's not as good as Critchley so the ability that Critchley did or what Critchley did last season was I wouldn't say remarkable but it was really good management really good coaching and the squad needed improving this summer it wasn't it's been propped up by loans that were made late in the window those loans have been so-so um, and as I say it just highlights a lack of quality in the team which isn't all down to Appleton um, you know the form is sackable from him Um it's justifiable. Um, but a new manager doesn't immediately improve Blackpool's situation and you need additional players. You look at Hull, for example. They were bottom of the league for goals conceded, XG conceded, conceding from set pieces. But they still had good players um, and our seniors come in, they're slowly improving. I don't think um, Blackpool are in that position. They need that uh, immediate improvement but they don't have the quality of players to do it.
0: Yeah, they are without a win in eight now. Second from bottom, two points from safety. West Brom's flight up the table continued with a 2-0 win over Preston. Okai Yakuzlu getting a brace just after we praised him as well. I like to think (laughs) the second tier assisted both those goals. I think this might be the third or fourth West Brom game in a row now, with the exception of that Coventry game, where I've come out of it thinking West Brom should have won this by more and they restricted the opposition to very little. It's Remarkable how well they're playing.
1: I don't think it is remarkable. Um, I think it's a a case of about time, isn't it? Um, Okay, just remarkable considering how shit
0: they were (laughs) a couple of months ago.
1: Yeah, but again, I still think they they weren't terrible. Um, They were just falling behind in games. There were moments that there were lapses in concentration at key times where they went behind, and then that's the reason why their XG was so high is because they were chasing games constantly. So they were constantly trying to put teams on the back foot. Um, but yeah, they've always had the quality and ability to do it. I think it's—I think the thing from Carlos Corberan is just piecing it together, making those players believe, and sharpening sharpening the, the tool set that he's got essentially. And he's done that. You look at Yukoslu, for example; his two goals were brilliant. I—I—I I've, I, I've, I didn't know too much about him before coming in to West Brom this uh, this summer. Um, I didn't have him down as one of those types of midfielders who can hit hit shots like that, um, and they were fantastic. But you look at how organised the defensive and how good Alex Palmer has been in uh, sorry been in, in, in form in terms of the yeah, in the West Brom goal it's just a complete turnaround and a complete change of mentality which I think has done it because the ability in this team is there it's just that mentality aspect that has, um, that's been changed and he's got them believing he's got them keeping clean sheets the sceptic in me is thinking though you're obviously saying that they, they should have won by more are we going to see West Brom drop off in terms of putting their chances away again hopefully not
0: Hopefully not. Probably is worth mentioning as well that the three teams they've most recently beaten have got problems of mm. their own. But for me, West Brom have been the best team in the division over these last couple of weeks, with the exception of Burnley, of course. Defensively, been rock solid Okaia Kuzlu has been immense since Corcoran's came in. And Jed Wallace has been brilliant all season, even when they weren't playing well. But he's really loving life now that the rest of the team are catching up to his performance levels. And then the likes of Tom Rogic, Brandon Thomas-Asante, Graydon Dean Garner all looked really sharp recently. Them For me, Justin, them and Norwich are the only two playoff-chasing teams who don't need a large amount of work in January in terms of keeping hold or bringing in players. Which is why it's an even more stupid decision to take out a loan to bring in players, but we'll speak more about that shortly. <laughs> In the news section, it's now four losses in five from Preston, whose playoff push might be fading away already. Hull got their first win in five, away at Birmingham, getting a one-nil victory. What did you make of this one? Just
1: uh, it was a game of few chances where Hull had that little bit of quality. You know, Cyrus Chris's always had that ability to get to the byline, put crosses into the box. Oscar Supernan's form's picking up massively, which is a big, big plus for Hull. Um, but I think it was one of those games, Hull of. Been slowly improving. It's literally been the tiniest steps possible, but who have been improving massively? Um, well, they've improved massively since the sort of the, the international break to now. Um, I think it's just a case of trying to iron out those, those those key areas that they've been making at the back, and they did that. I think Birmingham were quite as good as they have been in recent weeks. Um, saying that, I think the last two games they've been quite poor, not been creating too many chances, um, and the press wasn't as. Wasn't full of energy, shall we say? Um, which isn't a surprise. Uh, you know, as I mentioned with Burnley, that quite a lot of teams had a bit of a down day. But yeah, really good performance from Hull. And I, I think it shows that they are heading in the right direction in a senior. Mm,
0: I think it shows he's getting to grips with this team. And that's why I continue to believe that they should be all right this season. I mean, they've jumped up to 18th with this win anyway. And <laughs> now five points clear of the bottom three. And there were definitely three worse teams than Hull aren't there? I mean, you talk mm. about the calibre of players they've got. I mean, Jean-Michel Serri compared to, you know, some of the other teams down there and what they've got in midfield is just, it's not even comparable really, is it? And then Stupinan, he seems to be another player who's a bit of a confidence player and now he's got a couple of goals under his belt, maybe he'll get back to the goal-scoring form that we saw earlier in the season too. Defensively, still question marks there. Rosinia seems to have done a lot of good work in making them a lot more solid than they were under Arvaladze. So they, they're they definitely going in the right di- direction now, aren't they, Hull? And I would have been surprised before if they went down. Now I'd be even more surprised if that were to be the case. And it may even get to the point where they're just not in a relegation battle at all come, I don't know, February, March mm. time. Certainly because they're going in the right direction. A double from Carlton Morris helped Luton beat QPR 3-0. More on Mr Morris shortly. But my word, what a goal from Alfie Derity, Justin. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a brilliant goal. I feel like I'm going to dampen this goal a little bit. It was a fantastic goal, but Lee Hendry said it was one of the a goal of the season contender in the commentary, which I disagree with. It was a well-struck shot, but I can't help but think that his passing into colin Morris was terrible because <laughs> Carl Morris had to do a hell of a lot of work um, to get the ball back into Doherty's path because um, it was just an over-hit pass at hip height. Um, so I think yeah, credit a lot of credit goes to colton Morris there, but I think it highlights the quality that Doherty's got, for example, in the lock, He's been really good for Luton over the last few weeks at left wing-back. Um, and, and yeah, This, this goal was, was, was absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but goal of the season contender, I don't think so. After just slagging off
0: for a good 30 seconds and then saying, <laughs> I'm not going to take anything away from it, though. Um, contradictory at <laughs> its best. Um, but a wonderful strike. The build-up play was fantastic if there was one misplaced pass in there, but Goal of the season, I'd say no, just because of the standard of goals we have mm-hmm. seen this season, which have been remarkable. Well, maybe in another season, it may have been a goal of the season contender. Uh, we haven't spoken about Carlton Morris in a while, actually, because he's gone a bit quiet recently, Antti. These two were his first goals in seven games, but he's now up to 10 goals for the season. One of only four players in double figures in the championship. And considering the number of players in with a shout of the golden boot, I kind of forgotten about him, but... Yeah, he's got a great chance, hasn't he? As head of the Carlton Morris Fan Club, Justin, do you and your members think he could do it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, we will never, we will never wane from the Carlton Morris train, so to speak. Um, we are, we are fully behind him, um, and I think I said maybe September, October time that he's a contender for the Golden Boot. Um, not going to. You know, backtrack on that at all i think he's the only one of the only players who can score with his right foot left foot and his head i think well technically everybody can but not with the uh, same efficiency as him he's a he's a just a beautiful all-round number 9 um that's it really I, I don't have to if i say too much about him it it becomes a point where it's a little bit obsessive um and we want to avoid that
0: too late um, he only cost Luton £2 million as well, so that's proof if you're smart about your recruitment, you don't need to spend upwards of mm-hmm. £5 million on a striker who's going to get you plenty of goals in a season. Not naming any clubs when I say that. Uh, a win and a loss and a draw for Neil Crittley as QPR boss. Now, a late Andy Carroll penalty saw Reading get a point away at Norwich in a 1-0 draw. It was Norwich's first game since sacking Dean Smith. This was better from Norwich, wasn't it? I mean, it kind of got much mm. worse considering how poor they've been under Dean Smith recently. Adam Eder got on the score sheet. Someone I did kind of forget about. However, heading into this season with Norwich, I thought he would get more game time than he has done because he is quite a highly rated striker at Carrow Road. Although, having said that, if you've got Timo Pukki and Josh Sargent ahead of you in the pecking order, then maybe your limit your minutes will be limited. Uh, anything you want to add on this game, Justin?
1: Well, I, I was going to say, uh, he just had some injury problems. So He picked up a knee injury last February and then had a reoccurrence of that in September. So I think if he'd have been fit, he, he might have had a better chance of getting into the Norwich team. Um, and you saw the quality he took with his goal. Um, he could really add something at final third and certainly should be a player that Norwich keep hold of him in January rather than loan him out. Coventry nil, Cardiff nil, Coventry
0: without a doubt the better side here had two really good chances but ultimately couldn't put them away and undoubtedly points dropped for them Cardiff offered very little going forward so they were missing Callum Robinson and Millwall v Bristol City ended goalless Bristol City actually came the closest to scoring in this one but it's now just the one win in nine for them now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news and West Bromwich Albion have taken out a £20 million loan. It's from the US investment group MSD Holdings and will be received over four years. The clubs say it will be used to finance the club's general business operations, aka transfers, although the interest rates for the loan haven't been confirmed. Now, When it comes to something like this, I did the sensible thing, which was listen to friend of the show, Kieran Maguire. You see what he had to say. And as usual, he does an amazing job of summing it all up. It sounds like West Brom are using this as a replacement for parachute payments, which I think come to an end at the end of this season. And won't be paying money back until the end of this four year deal. If they get to the Premier League, it'll be fine because Premier League money is ridiculous and will basically cover it. If they don't, they are in deep Deep shit. The average annual income of a championship club without parachute payments is give or take around twenty five million quid. So if West Brom are still a championship side in four years' time, they will have to pay back twenty million plus interest, which having a look having had a look at past loans by MSD will likely be at least ten million, maybe much, much more. It's very scary. And Justin, it's yet another case of a championship Championship club gambling with its future. And the frustrating thing is, it doesn't have to be this way. Throwing money at players doesn't guarantee success. You only have to ask the likes of Derby County uh, mm. on how much success it can give you. And West Brom could accept that they just need to be smarter with their recruitment, try to buy cheap and sell big. But no, this is a clear sign that they don't intend on going down that route. And it's incredibly reckless. I thought clubs would have learnt from the likes of Derby. Sheffield Wednesday, Reading, but apparently not. It's still happening and I find that incredibly frustrating as a neutral. I can only imagine how frustrating it is as a West Brom fan.
1: I, well, it's frustrating and scary. I think from a Derby County point of view, um, these loans were taken out to pay for the general running of the, the club and you know, that usually means the owners not putting as much in um, as they were previously. And I think if that's the case, then West Brom need a buyer. ASAP, um, and that's not to put the fear of God in the West Brom fans, but if you're having to take out loans to prop up the costs um, and, and general ongoing costs of the club, and whether that be transfer fees or or what have you, it's it's a die die situation, um, and it's going to get it's, only, it's it's one of those situations that's only going to get better. And if you if you're relying on your team getting promoted, um, given the odds against you doing that to Gen- essentially keep the club going it's not a great place to be, it really isn't um, and I think getting promoted will only, you know, if the current ownership is still in place, getting promoted will only delay the inevitable uh, What the inevitable being having to get a new um, owner essentially uh, it, it's clear that he's not got enough money to run the club or it's clear that he's not putting the money into to run the club and it's, it's um, yeah, it's a desperate situation
0: the thing is as well, West Brom don't need to strengthen. That squad is good mm. enough as it is to get them promoted. It's just about having the right man in charge and the atmosphere around the club. And the atmosphere at the club is just shocking um, off the pitch because of what's going on and how it's being run. If West Brom were desperate to you know, freshen things up and think, right, we do need to get a couple of players and then sell someone. The wage budget must be huge at West Mm. Brom and you could easily get a few million for at least one of the players who are around there. So that's why I, I just don't understand what the thinking is with this loan. Um, And it has led to much frustration from West Brom fans, is worth mentioning. They're going to be protesting at their games in the Preston game that's just gone. They held up white paper in the 12th minute and shone a light in the 57th minute. And then against Reading, they're shining a light in the 12th minute again and doing a sit-in after the game, which is a new one. But could see supporters standing up for the club because if you're not standing up for the club, then nothing's going to change ultimately, is it? Let's move on to injury news now, and Coventry midfielder Callum O'Hare is going to be out for at least nine months after suffering an ACL injury, it's after landing awkwardly after against Sheffield United on Boxing Day, terrible news for him and Coventry Justin.
1: It was so innocuous as well wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, really disappointing for him, um, because he's, he's a player that Coventry need to thrive, and obviously as well as that, you know, if Coventry want to really boost their team, he's a player that they can sell for excess amounts of money and, and 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 reinvest. So it's it's really frustrating for both O'Hare and and Coventry, um, but really disappointing for O'Hare you, you don't want to see players like him have long spells Like You look at Bradley Dak, for example. His first ACL injury was brutal. His second one was even more brutal because he just got back into back into form, and you just, you don't want to see anyone go down with an ACL injury, let alone a player who. It's really exciting to watch. Um, so, yeah, it's really disappointing. Hopefully, he can he can come back through the other side. Um, but, yeah, really, really sad.
0: Yeah, even more terrible because he had had his injuries, uh, yeah. struggles this season, Ante. And it is the worst-case scenario for Coventry, really, isn't it? We've spoken a lot about how their season could come down to who stays and who goes in January. At least in the scenario where they sold O'Hare, they would have got some money for him and uh, get a replacement in but that's obviously not happening it now and it looks increasingly likely that Victor Jacquez will be sold so Coventry will likely be without two thirds of the Holy Trinity for the remainder of the season and for part of next season too so of course we wish O'Hare the very best in his recovery it's always a horrible injury in ACLs because he's also mentioned on social media that it's just devastating for him but for Coventry I struggle to see them going up without him unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and if they sell Jokeres in the transfer window, then it's going to be even more of a struggle, isn't it? Watford forward Jao Pedro set to miss up to eight weeks with an ankle injury. Not as bad as many fans feared, but still potentially two months without him. A huge, huge blow, and we did speak about it earlier. Has come at a rather handy time with it being January, but he's arguably the best player in the division, Justin, and you can't quickly replace players like him when you consider he's a Premier League player who... Shouldn't really be in the Championship, if you see what I mean. Rotherham midfielder Ben Wiles looks set to miss the rest of the season with an ankle problem, a huge blow for them too. He's a very influential player for the Millers. They look as if they'll need to do some jigging, digging in January as well. Uh, Transfer news now, and of course it is becoming the January transfer window so there's going to be lots of this mentioned in the news and we've already had one bit of news already the Athletics say Ellis Sims has been recalled from his loan at Sunderland by Everton which is a huge shame Justin he's just looked like he was getting to grips with life at Sunderland
1: yeah uh, uh, is he ready for the Premier League I don't think he is um, yeah. this is his first loan spell in the Championship of him right And know he's paid for Hearts and Blackpool in previous loan spells but yeah, I, I right. just I just don't think he's ready for the Premier League and I think it's going to stunt his development because he's he's just I don't think he's going to play or at least he's going to come on as an impact player. Uh, you know some sometimes parent clubs just have got no idea. They're very selfish obviously. I mean they can do what they want with their players um to an extent, but it's just sometimes you need to leave a player in a in a um in their current situation, to allow them to grow and call it recalling him at a point where he's in really good form, just to you know boost your. They, I mean, Everton are desperate. Um, they are desperate for for forward options, but I, I can't see Ellis Sims being a drast, drastic improvement on what they have currently got. He needs time to to develop, and he's been doing that really well at Sunderland. So it's really really frustrating.
0: Yeah, I agree. The only way it makes sense for me is if he goes out on loan to another championship club and Everton have potentially got a better offer. But I, he's yeah, doing it's, brilliantly it's, it's at brilliant, Sunderland, yeah. so it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, very, very strange if that is the case. Fool Jagielka is going to be spending the remainder of the season at Stoke. His original deal only lasted until January. It's worth saying when we're on the subject of transfer news. We will only be covering confirmed deals over <laughs> the next month or so because we could spend... You know, an hour on its own just talking about transfer rumours. And finally, Bristol City have a new CEO, Phil Alexander. Spent 26 years in the same role at Crystal Palace before leaving in the summer. He's since been an advisor at Wickham. Right. We'll finish off the show with a little game of Scott High or Ryan Low. It's essentially higher or lower. I'll give Justin eight numbers. And he's got to tell me whether the number is higher or lower than the one before. Now, Justin, Christmas may very well be behind us, but there's still plenty of tat available in club shops up and down the country. So I'm going to give you a random item that you can find in a club shop of a championship site. You've got to tell me whether the cost of it is higher or lower than the price before. What do you think? This is great. This is great. Uh, Have we done this before? Mm, I don't think so, but I might be wrong. This is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for this. Lovely. Well, so your first number is £5. And your first item is a Birmingham City USB stick. Because, oh, you're a real Birmingham fan if you're not uploading files. using a Birmingham City USB stick. Is that Scott High or Ryan Low than £5? Uh,
1: it's, I, I, you can get USB sticks for like two quid. Um, branded USB stick, maybe an extra two quid. it's got to be lower. Who, is, does anyone use USB sticks now? By the way, That's what I was it. thinking. Does anyone use USB sticks now? I haven't used one in
0: ages. But it cost £7, what? Justin. Yes. What? It was 8 gig. 8 gig. And I checked online, you can get a normal one, which is four times the size for half the price. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that that seems a bit scandalous. But zero out of one for Justin Peach so far. Your new number is £7. Next up is a Sheffield United ice scraper. Because are you a real Sheffield United fan if you're not scraping ice using a Sheffield United ice scraper? Scott High or Ryan Low, then £7, Justin.
1: Is it called an ice scraper or is there a play on words for Blade in there? There should be, but there's not. There should be. Well, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, ice scrapers are deceptively expensive. I reckon it's going to be at £8, eight or £9, pounds, so I think it's higher than 7 Costs £5. Pounds. Jesus. Um,
0: again, checked online, you can get four for a couple of quid from house. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I need um, to Zero from two for Justin Peach. New number is five pounds. How about a Sunderland trolley keyring? You know the coin you use to get trolleys out of yeah. supermarkets? Because oh you're a real Sunderland fan, if you're not getting trolleys using a Sunderland trolley keyring. Scott Height or Ryan lower than five pounds. Keep
1: in That's mind gone. you could just get a pound coin and just Excuse use that, that instead. It's a pound coin, it's cheaper. Literally it's a pound. Uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be lower than five pounds. Six pounds, Jeez absolutely Christ. outrageous. How are, how are football three. clubs? How are football clubs not raking in the money? Because I the buying this towel, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the new figure is six pounds. Next up is a Millwall tape measure. Are oh, you a real Millwall fan? Da, 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 da. You get it. Scott High or Ryan Low? Then six quid,
1: Justin. Again, tape measures are deceptively expensive. I think I said that about ice scrapers. You said you, you, you can get a couple of. Couple for a couple of quid. Um, I think I think it's higher than uh, eight pounds, six pounds. If you fancy
0: one, it will set you back nine pounds. So you're correct on that one, Justin. One out of four for you. Now your new figure is nine pounds. The next item is a Watford travel pillow. You know those cushions you get around Mm. your neck at airports.
1: Scott High or Ryan Low? The nine pounds. I'd I'd pay for one of those. Um, I think it'd be higher than nine pounds. But I would certainly invest – I'd invest like 15, 20 quid in one of them. Well, you're in luck then. £10. Uh, really? I find that a
0: bit more respectable, really. Yeah, uh, but that's okay. mainly because I, yeah. I don't know what the going rate is for a travel pillow, really. I, I'm not a big fan of them at airports. Wow. Um, so, two out of five. Uh, we're on £10, aren't we? So, we've got a Burnley hot water bottle and cover. Scott High or Ryan Low, then a tenner. Yeah. Uh,
1: Very useful in the current climate. Um, Again, I think it'd be more expensive than ten pounds. I think I bought one for like twenty odd quid the other the other week, big long one. Um, So I reckon fifteen quid.
0: It is fifteen quid. You're spot on. I feel like you've been uh, swindled a bit by. Um, spending 20 quid on a hot water bottle and cover But you're correct Three out of six Two remaining Your new number is £15 A Middlesbrough wooden breakfast board It's essentially just a chopping board With a Middlesbrough badge burnt onto it uh, Scott High or though than 15 quid?
1: I mean I go on Etsy for Christmas quite often and chopping board's always on there And they're so much money just I reckon it's it. It's just wood, yeah. Uh, I reckon it's like forty quid. Right? It's it's uh, Scott High, twenty pounds. Oh. So it is
0: quite dear, but certainly not forty no, it quid. Is actually, um, four out of seven, one remaining, and it is uh, well. You're on twenty quid. That's your final number, and your final item is a bottle of Norwich City Celebration Gin. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that's Scott
1: High or Ryan Low? Then twenty pounds. Again, I'm I'm partial to a gin. Um, a good bottle of gin would cost twenty pounds. Um, so this is branded. I think it's going to be more expensive, um, even though it's just going to be really basic gin. So I reckon it's going to be like twenty-five quid, but really crap gin. So it's quite high. Fifty
0: pounds
1: no. for a bottle of
0: gin that has a Norwich City logo slapped on it. That's horrendous. Outrageous,
1: That's outrageous, isn't it? I, I'd like to know where this gin is distilled.
0: I was, I was thinking, is it, does it get the Delia, you know, tax on it? Because, you know, you could say, well, she's got good taste, but it's still. He, so you've got a five out of eight there, Justin, but who's the real winner here? Um, the clubs. They're raking the money Capitalism. Capitalism is always the winner in the end. <laughs> This has been the Second Tier Podcast. You have been listening to our weekend roundup. Is it a weekend? What day is it? It's Friday. No, it's Saturday. Saturday. I, it's all, I, I, honestly, my Saturday. head is all over the shop We're right recording now. recording on a Saturday. I know. And it's the last episode of 2022, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for your support over the past year. We've really, really appreciated the growth that the podcast has seen in the past 12 months or so. And here's to an, an equally successful 2023 or, you know, what, an even more successful 2023. Let's set those bars high, Justin. We'll next be with you on Tuesday, which is the second. Is that right? Sorry, I just punched my microphone in anger, not knowing what date it is. Um, The third. So we'll next be with you on Tuesday the third of December. Whatever the case, it's definitely Tuesday. Uh, Just check your calendar for whatever date that is. Um, So we look forward to seeing you then. We look forward to seeing you in the New Year. So have a happy New Year. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening.